0: Good morning, happy Father's Day, thank you, I absolutely uh, love being a dad, and I've always taken my, my job of being a dad really serious, and so um, I've always thought that part of my job as a dad is, is to protect my family, uh, protect my wife, protect my children, uh, I know that if you're a man, I'm sure that you feel the exact same way, it's, that protection is a really big deal, and, and it's not just to protect, it's, it's also to teach. And so, for Karen and I, part of teaching our children uh, was huge. And so, we would have these teachable moments that would be a crisis, a tragedy. Sometimes there were things that were going on at church. If we were raising money, and we've gone through all kind of campaigns here at Springwell to build and this, so forth. And we would bring our our girls to be a part of that, and we would use those as teaching moments to to show just how big God is. And then, then there comes a point in time as a, as a parent uh, that you realize that. They can't ride on the coattails of your faith. They got to own it for themselves. It's got to be their relationship with God. It's not about religion at all. It's not not about religion or just going to church or just, you know, doing whatever religious people do. But that they have to own this thing for themselves. And it can be kind of scary, um, but it can also be a huge blessing. Then then, Then, as you go through a parent, if you're, if you're as blessed as Karen and I have been blessed, then there's times when you've taught and you've poured into, and then now you watch your kids as they begin to teach you. Um, Emily, uh, our oldest, uh, had the opportunity to do the world race a few years ago, and uh, we had, the, we had the, the good pleasure to meet her in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And, and I'll never forget um, one of those moments when it became so real to me That this little gift that God had given me, and that we had spent time teaching, was now a teacher. Uh, We were in this tuk-tuk, if you don't do foreign countries or third world countries, you don't know what that is, but it's a motorcycle-looking thing with a thing on the back, and it's kind of weird, but anyway... um, Maybe I should have had a picture to show that to you. So anyway, but but this was a bigger tuk tuk and so that we actually had, I'm not sure how many adults that were on at that time, maybe eight or ten. And and Emily was literally sitting in the middle of this thing and, and she just began to teach. And it was amazing for me as a parent as I literally watched these adults as they leaned in to listen to her. And I remember thinking, She's good. she's amazing. And I can say that it's been more than that, but, but literally God has used this child. If you were here last week then you heard uh, me talk about a uh, uh, Friday morning that she and I were together, and, and literally God spoke through her to, to show me a passage of scripture, Genesis 26, and out of Genesis 26, God confirmed that he wanted us to plant a church and that the name of this church would eventually be Spring Well. comes right out of Genesis 26. And so God has used her over the years to teach me the most important lessons of what it really means for me to understand that he loves me. And I'm secure in that relationship. And God has used her Uh, to be able to do that uh, for me. There was nobody that I would think that could do better to help me close out this series of what it means to listen to the voice of God, the whisper of God, uh, than my daughter. So will you help me give a huge Springwell welcome to Miss Emily Molina.
1: Well, and before he goes, it is Father's Day, and I'm his kid, so I couldn't pass up a chance to.
0: So we're going to take up an offering.
1: We're going to show some pictures. <laughs> so um, my dad, I actually was born on Father's Day. and That was my dad's first Father's Day. And there's little on me. I changed the pictures so that it could surprise you. <laughs> they were different last one. Um, yep, so I was born on Father's Day, and best present he ever had. So can't top that. But I just, the, the mustache, the mustache, guys, is just, seriously, like, what in Sam Hill? I love it. I just love it so much. He shaved that one time and scared me. Like, I didn't know who he was. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, scared the Jesus out of me. Anyways, I love you. I love you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, if I'm going to be up here. Let's share some photos. All right, so I'm super pumped to be up here. I am a little bit nervous um, because that's just normal. So I'm going to try to talk slow. Last time I got such a bad dry mouth. I've got water. I will drink it this time. (laughs) So I'm really excited. Like Dad said, we're closing out the series Whisper. Um, We started the series with hearing, you know, we're hearing the voice of God. How do we do that? What does it look like? The first week, um, Dad talked about being still. We've got so much going on in our lives that we just, we can't hear anything because we're just here to and fro, and we've just got so much clutter in our heads, like how do we hear from God? Well, you just have to be still. You just have to stop and get away and shut off all the noise. Um, Last week, Dad talked about God's Word. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but he is incredibly passionate about the Word of God, Um, the Bible, that and it's his bread and butter, he loves it, he loves to dig in it, and he loves to explain it to you, and break it down so that you understand it, and explain to you that Jesus was a little sassy, which I think is my favorite thing in the world, because he is, um, so he's, he spoke about the Bible being active, and have you ever read a verse, and like, you you almost could feel it breathe, <sighs> like, you, you needed it so bad and like you could just take a breath or you know, it's like you're parched and you know, you read this verse and suddenly it's like drinking water, you know. And that's what it is, you know, the Word of God, it's living, it's active, it's moving. Um, that's why my dad's so passionate about it. Um, so today we're going to talk about intimacy with the Father and uh, what does that look like and what can it look like. Um, so first thing, let's just define intimacy. What does that even mean? Uh, Google tells us that it is close familiarity or friendship, closeness, affinity, affection, warmth, confidentiality. We all long for intimacy. I think everyone longs for community. Um, you want to be seen and you want to be known by someone. Um, to have a closeness with someone that, I mean, it you can't shake it. It's an unshakable bond. So it's special. Um, And you don't, you can't have that with everybody. You know, you're not going to just go out and, you know, have an intimate relationship with everyone you meet. And it's going to be different uh, with everyone that you know. Um, The movies, uh, a lot of times Hollywood shows a really counterfeit version of something that's real. Um, Knowing someone and them knowing you in return. Um, A lot of us have heard the relationship versus religion thing. Um, That's pretty cultural and what we kind of talk about in these days. So relationship versus religion, I've heard it a lot, well here's my two cents. So I worked at Starbucks for eight years, that's a long time, I made a lot of coffee, probably made some of your coffee. Um, So at Starbucks when we train our baristas when they show up, we have a role and a routine for everything. I'm talking like to get the ice, there is a role and routine and there is a time and place to get ice, it is intense. So when a barista comes in, when we train them, um, as a manager, when they show up on my floor that day, they've been trained. They're on my floor. They look at the schedule, and they see their name. And there's a letter beside their name, and it tells them what role they're working for that day. If it has a B, they go to bar. If it has a DT, they go to drive thru They don't have to ask me about it. It says it right there. So then they walk to their position. When they're in drive-through, when they're in bar, there's a rolling routine. To every drink that you make, there's a way to make it, and to The taking of the orders at the drive-thru, you've seen one person standing there taking and ringing. There's a routine. We have orders to do that. So they don't really need to have much conversation with the manager. They show up. Hey, I'm working drive-thru. Go to drive-thru. Do my job. Work your job. And then, you know, if you successfully followed all the routines that were laid out for you, after six hours you clock out and you go home. You worked good, you know, good job. Well done. Job well done. So there's not really any reason to talk to the manager at all for that day. Um, You show up, you follow the rules, you do what you're supposed to do. Um, The only reason you would really have a conversation with the manager is if there's a problem, you know. Something happened, whatever, and then the manager steps in to kind of alleviate an issue. So when you've got a problem, you kind of cry out to the manager. So to me that's religion. Religion says you show up, you follow the rules, and if you follow the rules, you're safe. You just do what's required. Um, And that, I mean, that's what religion tells us to do. There's not really any relationship with the manager involved. So, relationship is not that way. Um, It's not that way at all. Relationship is personal and it's intimate. Um, Your spouse did not come with an instruction manual, no matter how much some of you wanted that to have happened on your wedding day. Your children, when they were birthed, did not come with an instruction manual, though that would have been nice. And probably if you have multiple kids, you know that they're all different. You know, your first kid might have cried a lot and your second kid didn't. Your first kid may have sat and played with their toys while your second kid runs and screams and pulls everything off the shelves. The relationship is different. The conversations are different. The intimacy with that child is different. Best friends, best friends, you know, over the long haul, you know, people you just met. Your relationship with everyone is not going to be the same. And that takes time to build. You're not going to have intimacy with someone right off the bat. So it takes time, it takes conversation, learning their likes and their dislikes, it takes fights, it takes arguments to learn, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that, or maybe I should communicate this way. Um, And then, as you move through time, that relationship develops and it starts to take form. And my relationship with my dad's not the same as my relationship with my mom, because my mom and my dad are not the same person, they're different. And so relationships are unique to the people in them. Um, And we all long for that. We all long for someone to see us and to know us. And we all long to have a closeness with at least one other person, you know, that's like, here, I'm with you. I'm in it. So I think what's crazy is that God wants that too. God wants you to get to know him. He wants your relationship with him to be yours, not like mine, not like anyone else on the stage who talks to you about who God is, He wants to speak to you directly and hang out with you directly. And over time, that intimacy, he wants it to grow so that you begin to lean on him and and look to him. And that's what he wants. It's not just something that we want. So as adults, I think that we overcomplicate things, um, massively so. So to simplify what I'm trying to get across, I'm going to tell you a story, one that I hope helps to illustrate where we're headed um, so growing up, my mom used to read books to us by Max Lucado. I don't know if any of you know Max Lucado. His kids' books are phenomenal. So I think that I could probably quote every book that my mom read to us as children, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to actually read it to you. And don't worry, because we are going to put the pictures on the screen, so you will be fully taking part, okay? Um, this book is fantastic. I, over the course of the last few years, when people ask me and I talk about, Um, the voice of God, somehow this book came up and somehow it enters every conversation I have about this. And so normally I paraphrase it, but it's just better if you hear the story for yourself. So we're going to read The Song of the King by Max Licato. The three knights sat at the table and listened as the prince spoke. My father, the king, will give the hand of my sister to the first of you who can prove himself worthy. The prince paused to let the men take in the news. He looked at their faces, each weathered from miles and scarred from the battles. The three had much in common. They were the strongest warriors in the kingdom and they each wanted to marry the daughter of the king. The king had promised each a chance, a test to see which was worthy of his daughter and now the time for the test had arrived. This test is a journey, the prince explained. A journey to the king's castle by way of Hemlock. The forest, one knight quickly inquired. The forest, answered the prince. There was silence as the knights thought about the words, and each felt a stab of fear. They knew the danger of Hemlock, a dark and deadly place. Parts of it were so thick with trees that the sunlight never found the floor. It was the home of the hope knots, Small, sly creatures with yellow eyes, Hopeknots were not strong, but they were clever, and they were many. Some people believed the Knots were lost travelers changed by the darkness, but no one really knew for sure. Will we travel alone? Carlyle spoke. A strange question to come from the strongest of the three knights. His fierce sword was known throughout the kingdom. But even his steely, this steely soldier knew better than to travel Hemlock alone. You may each choose one person to travel with you. But the forest is dark. The trees make the sky black. How will we find the castle? This time, it was Alon who spoke. He was not as strong as Carlyle, but much quicker. He was famous for his speed. Alon left trails of confused enemies. He had escaped them by ducking into trees or scampering over walls. But quickness is worthless if you have no direction. So Alon asked, How will we find the way? The prince nodded, reached into his sack, and pulled out an ivory flute. There are only two of these, he explained. This one and another one in the possession of the king. He put the instrument to his lips and played a soft, sweet song. Never had the knights heard such soothing music. My father's flute plays the same song. His song will guide you to the castle. How is that? Alon asked. Three times a day, the king will play from the castle wall, early in the morning, at noon, and again in the evening. Listen for him, follow his song, and you will find the castle. So, there's only one other flute like this one? Only one. And you and your father play the same music? Yes. It was Cassidan who was asking. Cassidy was known for his alertness. He saw what others missed. He knew the home of a traveler by the dirt on his boot. He knew the truth of a story by the eyes of the teller. He could see the size of a marching army by the number of scattered birds in sight. Carlisle and Alon wondered why he asked about the flute. It wouldn't be long before they found out. Consider the danger and choose your companion carefully, the prince cautioned. And so they did. The next morning, the three knights mounted their horses and entered Hemlock. Beside each rode the chosen companion. For the people in the king's castle, the days of waiting passed slowly. All knew of the test and all wondered which knight would win the princess. Three times a day, the king sent his song soaring into the trees of Hemlock. And three times a day, the people stopped their work to listen. After many days and countless songs, the watchmen spotted two figures stumbling out of the forest. No one could tell who they were. They were too far from the castle. The men had no horses, no weapons, and no armor. Hurry, the king commanded his guards. Bring them in. Give them medical attention and food, but don't tell anyone who they are. Dress the knight as a prince, and we will see their faces tonight at the banquet. They then dismissed the crowd and told them to prepare for the feast. That evening, a joyful spirit filled the banquet hall. At every table, the people tried to guess which knight had survived Hemlock Forest. Finally, the moment came to present the winner. At the king's signal, the people became quiet, and he began to play the flute. Once again, the ivory instrument sang. The people turned to see who would enter. Many thought it would be Carlisle, the strongest. Other felt it would be Alon, the swiftest. But it was neither. The knight who survived the journey was Cassidon, the wisest. He strode quickly across the floor, following the sound of the flute one final time and bowed before the king. Tell us of your journey, he was instructed. The people leaned forward to listen. The hope knots were crafty, Cassidon began. They attacked, but we fought back. They took our horses, but we continued. What nearly destroyed us, though, was something far worse. What was that? asked the princess. They imitated. They imitated, asked the king. Yes, my king, they imitated. Each time the song of your flute would enter the forest, a hundred flutes would begin to play. All around us we heard music, songs from every direction. I don't know what became of Carlisle and Alan, he continued, but I know strength and speed will not help one hear the right flute. The king asked the question that was on everyone's lips. Then who? How did you hear my song? I chose the right companion, he answered, as he motioned for his fellow traveler to enter, and the people gasped. It was the prince, and in his hand, he carried the flute. I knew there was only one who could play the song as you do, Cassadin explained, so I asked him to travel with me. As we journeyed, he played. I learned your song so well that though a thousand false flutes tried to hide your music, I could still hear you. I knew your song, and I followed it.
2: That's such a good book.
1: Mm. So, (laughs) even that book makes me cry, golly. So, Cassidy chose his companion wisely. Um, I think we all knew that that was coming, right? We're pretty smart. So, if he knew that he listened to the same flute and the same song, that he would be able to recognize it among the fakes. So, here's the reason that I tell you that story. Satan is going to do everything he can to throw you off the path. He's going to tear you down and he's going to make you feel lost, throwing false voices and fake voices in your face, half-truths. He wants you to feel alone and he wants you to feel isolated. If you don't know the Father's voice, then how are you going to hear him among all the fake ones? So tell me what you pay attention to and I will tell you who you are. That's what the Spanish philosopher Jose Ortega said. You will eventually be shaped in the image of the loudest voice in your life, the voice that you listen to the most. So who are you listening to? So then how do we do that, right? Like how do we, how do we hear the voice of God? We know that we need to, so how do we do that? God gives us many examples in the Bible, so let's start with Moses. In Exodus 33, 7 through 11, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their own tents, watching Moses as he entered, his t- entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance, they all stood and worshiped each at the own entrance of their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. So Moses had a place to meet with God, somewhere to spend intimate time with him. And God spoke to Moses. Now, I know that we read this and it's Sunday morning, 11 o'clock service, high and holy time. But Moses didn't have a Bible in front of him. So do you ever think that he thought he was insane? That he thought he was nuts? I mean, a bush was burning and speaking to him. At some point, you have to question your sanity, right? So there have been many times throughout my journey and my walk with God as I've been learning to hear the voice of God that I thought I was crazy. And my dad would say I'm a little crazy. But I'm talking like, I really thought I was off my rocker. Like there's no flipping way that I am like concocting these things in my head. So as God continued to speak to me and I continued to thought I was making it up, God showed me that it was him because he was consistent, he was true to his nature, and scripture confirms everything that he says. So Moses got away with God in the tent of meeting. And that's the Old Testament. So what does Jesus show us in the New Testament? Countless, countless examples, but a few Jesus started his ministry. At once the Spirit sent Jesus out into the desert, and he was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. He was out in the desert by himself. It's how Jesus made important decisions. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Everyone was looking for Jesus, but after his time of prayer, he told the disciples that it was time for them to move on to another village. It's how he taught his disciples. Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. It's how he prepared for her death. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And it's how he went deeper in his intimate relationship with his father. Despite Jesus' plea that his miracles be kept secret, the news about him spread all the more. So that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. God gives us examples over and over and over that we have to get along with him. Jesus knew That he couldn't perform any miracles if he wasn't connecting with the source, if he wasn't connecting with his father. He knew that the most important thing beyond anything, more important than miracles, more important than healing people, more important than splitting seas and all the crazy stuff that Jesus did. He knew nothing else mattered but his relationship with his father. That was number one. And then everything else can follow after that. But you've got to start with the relationship first or else nothing else can come. You have to connect to the source. So he gives this example over and over and over. He lays it out. Jesus had to get away. And if he had to do it, how much more do we have to do it? So God and Jesus developed this relationship. They nurtured the relationship. And they continued connecting to the source of life. Mark Batterson says this, and I love it. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Do not use the Bible to box God in. There are those who believe that God only speaks through Scripture. It's a well-meaning mistake often perpetuated by those who hold a very high view of Scripture, as I do. I certainly believe that the Bible is in a category by itself as the inspired word of God and that the canon is closed. But. We actually undermine the scripture's authority when we discredit God's ability to speak to us now in the same way that he did in the pages in the Bible. When I survey scripture, I see God showing up in strange places, at strange times, in strange ways. And I don't think anything has changed. God certainly won't contradict himself, but he is predictably unpredictable. And I love that. He is predictably unpredictable. How many times did he show up in crazy ways in the Bible? Like, he can still do that. He can still do that today and speak to you right now. So why do I bring all that up? You know, God speaking the same way today as he did then. Well, while I was traveling, like Dad said, 11 countries in 11 months, have gone a few places. Um, so on this trip, we had several discussions about a secret place. Um, I had heard of this term idea before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Um, And there are many different names for it, like prayer room, whispering spot, you know, Moses used the tent of meeting. The idea is to have a place where you meet with God. It can be a physical place or it can be somewhere that you've made up in your mind. Um, And so the idea is that you just get still, you get quiet, and you listen to him. Um, Like Mark said, some believe that God only speaks through the scriptures, but he will also speak to you in the same way that he did in the scriptures. Words in your head that you didn't actually think. And this is when you start to think you're a little nuts. When, like, you hear something and you're thinking, I didn't think that. Like, I'm, like I heard that as I thought it type thing. Um, and there were many times that I thought that I was making things up. So, for me, my secret place is in my mind. I can get there any time of day. I can go there right now. I can be there during worship, anytime it's available to me. And God and I have our own relationship. It's so sweet and we have our own love language with each other, the way he talks to me. Oh, it's just, it's precious. This is what it is. So I just, I want to give you a window into what something could be, but I also don't want you to think this is the formula for what it has to be. Because again, my relationship with my parents is different because they're different. So your relationship with God will look like it needs to look for you, but this is kind of how it looks for me. So it all started, um, in month two, Danielle was leading a woman's type thing on the roof of the building that we were in. And so she said, go to your secret place. And I was like, got it. So my secret place um, was not really unique to me. It was Edward and Bella's Meadow from Twilight. That's the vampire movie that some of you, the sparkly ones, yeah, that's what it was. So this is what I'm picturing on this roof, and I'm just like, la-da-da, in my meadow, I'm good. And then I heard Jesus, well I heard something, I didn't know it was Jesus at the time. I heard, make it ours. And I was like, what? I don't really, what? And I didn't think it, and of course I'm thinking, "Hmm?" so I ignored it. And then you know, a few minutes later, you know, Danielle's still talking, it's supposed to be a really serious thing, and I hear, make it ours. And I was like, what? And so then I was like, "Um, I mean, what does that mean, house, home decorating? Like, all right. So I'm sitting in my, my meadow, Edward and Bella's meadow, and I look over and I was like, I mean, I guess it would be kind of cool if there's a waterfall right there. And then in my secret place, because it's in my mind, I'm making this up, there was a waterfall. So naturally, there it is. And I was like, all right then, that's pretty cool. And then I just heard again, I just want you to make this place for us. And so I did. And so while Danielle's leading this really beautiful, serious talk with the women on the roof, I am having a makeover. So I've got a waterfall on this side. There is a huge, big, fluffy couch in my secret place because why am I going to sit on the floor or in an uncomfortable chair? And it's made up so I can have a fluffy couch if I want one. And so by my waterfall, there's still like this big meadow and then you can walk out by the waterfall and you walk onto a beach. Ugh, oh, because paradise, let's be real. A beach, and then it really turned into more of a cove. There's kind of like mountains on either side, which kind of, you know, locks the beach in. Um, And it's incredible, and I just thought I was insane. Like, I'm just making this place up. I'm still just trying to figure it out, but I'm like, all right, sure, maybe this is Jesus. If not, I had a good time. So that was month two. (laughs) So then month three happens, and Jordan, who was on my team, we had to have team time. There was like a love-hate relationship with team time. It was sometimes good and sometimes hmm, but this time happened to be good. So my friend Jordan, we're all sitting in this circle, and he starts asking us questions. And so one of his questions was, if you could meet with Jesus anywhere, where would it be? And so I'm thinking, ah, secret place, I got it. And last month, I even redecorated, so I'm even more prepared. So we all closed our eyes, pictured ourselves somewhere peaceful, where we would wanna meet with Jesus, and then he started asking other questions like, what are you wearing? I thought that was a weird question. So I thought about it and um, naturally I was wearing a long white flowy dress with a crown on my head, like gold with like some leaves on it. Very Grecian goddess, okay, like Aphrodite was happening. And I mean like how else are you going to picture yourself in your own secret place, duh. So then Jordan asked, where is Jesus? Like do you see him anywhere and if so, what is he wearing? I'm going to answer the wearing question first because it's really funny. So naturally, like, I've seen pictures of, like, what we, you know, Jesus, and he's in the long white robe and long hair, and so that's what I thought, and that's what I was going to explain, and so we're going around the circle, and everyone's kind of explaining, it's about to be my turn, and I'm like, well, you and then I heard Jesus say, huh, look again, I was like, what? And so then I picture, when I see your place again, I look over, and Jesus is wearing white board shorts, a white t-shirt, and his hair is essentially in a man bun. Like that's essentially what's happening. (laughs) And so what I want you to understand here is that Jesus, this is my place, you know. Like this is our place. And he's talking to me the way I need to be talked to. And he's looking at me the way I need to be looked at. And he's interacting with me the way I can connect with him. And that's going to look different for everybody. Not everybody saw Jesus in board shorts and a man bun, okay? My friend, she, Jesus was in a flannel. So look, he can, go, he can go anywhere you want him to go. And so it was so cool. I, I looked at him, he looked at me, and he's in the board shorts. I'm laughing, he's laughing. Then I told my team, and they were laughing. It was a good time. So back to the where was he question. So the, I'm standing here. I hadn't really thought about, you know, where is Jesus. And so as soon as Jordan asked... I looked down, and he's holding my hand. And as I began to move up, I found his eyes. If there's anything I could do, it would be to explain to you what his eyes looked like. And the love that came out of them. They were like blue and purple and green and brown. I don't know how he did that, but they were like all the colors. And have you ever shared a... You have that intimate relationship with someone, and you can, like, talk from across the room, you know. You look over, and it's like, if you're somewhere you don't want to be, and you're like, (sighs) So you can can communicate. And that's how he was looking at me. With so much love and so much care and so much like, you are it. And like, I just want to hang out with you. I just want to look at you, and I just want to tell you how much I love you. And I just want to hold your hand and hug you. Gosh, it was incredible. And that was the beginning of something so phenomenal for the rest of my 11 months and still. Something I can't even really express to you that when Jesus asked me or Jordan asked me where Jesus was and he was holding my hand, like, whoo. And I just, I mean, the intense love, like, I just, I want you to understand. I want you to understand so bad that becoming a Christian does not mean that you suddenly wake up, and the world's secrets make sense, and like life is easy. That's not what the Christian walk is. That's not what walking with Jesus is. That's why we're meant to do life with each other. So why we're meant to, you know, come to church and do community with each other so we can support each other and we can help each other out through life's hard times. But that's, that's what Jesus wants to do for you. He wants to help you. He wants to walk you through it. So in Hollywood, when they make movies, the theme is typically, you know, something, you'll have two main characters, right, and then they'll go through, and like, the junk hits the fan, and at some point, they look at each other, and there's that moment where they like, hey, you know what, like, everything's going to you know where, but we've got each other. Like, I'm with you, you're with me, we're going to make it through. Or, you've got a main character, and You know, all this stuff is happening and, you know, they're just losing it. But then, like, the Savior-type figure steps in, you know, and, like, reaches down and, like, I've got you. Like, I'm here with you. The reason that theme shows up in Hollywood and the reason that we desire to be seen and be known and be in relationships with people is because that's how you were created. And you were created for God to fill that. You were created for Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, to look you in the eye and tell you how sweet and important and precious you are because he made you. And he made you unique and he made you special. And there's no other you on the planet. You're the only one that he has. You're the only one there is. There may be other people with your name, but no one else is you. And so the whole point of a whispering spot or a prayer room or a tent of meeting, the whole point is knowing God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, spending time with them, getting to know them, knowing that you're not by yourself. It's really awesome When I stand up here and look at you and say, God loves you. And every week, my dad at some point is going to tell you that God is crazy about you. Crazy. And every week, Jonathan's going to look at you and tell you how much God loves you. But how much cooler is it when God tells you himself and you hear him? How much cooler is it when you have such a special relationship with him that you've been listening to his flute that you can hear his flute above the fakes. How much more special is that? And that's what this secret place does. It just gives you, gives you this place where you can spend time with him and get to know him. And that takes time. Intimate relationships with people don't happen overnight. Best friends, that takes years, it takes strife, it takes stuff of getting through. So it's gonna feel awkward at first going to a secret place Mine's in my head, so you know, I'm imagining a place. Feel a little nuts. I'm talking to air. It's awkward. It's weird. Relationships when you first meet someone, it can be a little awkward. You gotta figure some stuff out. So what I want, what I would love for you is just to understand that Sundays are incredible and it's a great time for us to get together, but God wants more. Of that, he wants, he wants to hang out with you during the week. So have a secret place, whether it's a physical place, whether it's a place you make up in your head. Um, you know, don't overcomplicate it. Don't look for a formula. Recognize that, you know, relationships do take time. God is never going to contradict himself. He's never going to go against his nature, and he's never going to contradict scripture. So as you're learning, read the Bible. Get to know who he is. And then as you get to know him, you're going to start to hear him. First time that you hear him tell you how special you are, that first time that you hear him say "I love you," and you know that like you didn't think that of yourself. Gosh, it's it'll stop you. It'll stop you dead in your tracks. So just start somewhere, and just see where you end up.
0: kicked off this series with a really powerful passage of Scripture out of 1 Kings 19. I don't know if you remember, but it simply says this. The word of the Lord came to him. So, what are you doing here? Elijah, he replied, I've been zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great, powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the a gentle whisper. The First time I heard the whisper of the Lord was in 2006 on the beach. And what I heard was was God whisper in my ear and He said, I love you. Now I knew that He loved me knew that he loved me because God is love and and I'd been in the word for a while I understood what the Bible said but it was entirely different to hear him whisper to hear his voice to hear him whisper in my ear to tell me that he loves me so how do you hear the voice of God it's what we've been talking about how do you hear the whisper well you have to drown out all of the clutter in our lives which means that there has to be a time every day when we say nothing else matters, God, today but just be hanging out with you. And that means that the TV's got to be off and the cell phones have got to be put away and the computers have got to be turned off and everything else has to be put aside where you're just quiet before Him. He said, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I am your heavenly Father and I am crazy in love with you. And I want a relationship with you. You can hear the whisper of God. This church is founded on two passages of Scripture, Matthew chapter 9 and Genesis 26. I shared that with you last week, where literally God spoke through His Word. He whispered. He said, I want you to plant a church. In fact, the name Spring comes out of Genesis 26. He speaks through His Word. But He's not limited to just speaking through His Word. He never has been. You should go back and study. Actually, what you'll find is that the early forefathers of this country, they had their secret place where they met with God. I read a testimony of a lady not too long ago who had suffered some abuse. In her mind, her safe place was the arms of her Heavenly Father. That secret place, that place where you can commune with Him. For me, it's not mental place, it's a physical place. Most of the winter, I, I would I'd get up early and, and I would take my iPad and I would sit beside the fire with my cup of coffee and I would turn, look at the fire and then look outside. That was my place to be with Him, to hang out with Him. So I have to ask you, as a follower of Jesus, when's the last time you heard the And if you haven't heard it, it's not because he doesn't want to speak, because he does, because what he longs for, right? Emily, he longs to be with us. To hold our hand. To tell us how special we are, that he loves us, that he's proud of us, that he's not absent, that he's very present he's going to take all of the ugly things that happen to you and somehow make them work for our good. And if you'll just work lean into the relationship with him enough I'll be honest with you, all the stuff that happens it's no big deal because you trust him. Because you know him. So as a follower of Jesus, when was the last time you heard him whispered? And if not, it's because you just haven't set a time. You haven't found a, a, a quiet place to be still and know that he's God. And if, you, if you're not doing that, why would you not? What is the point? What is the point being a follower of Jesus? What is the point if it's not to be in relationship with him? Is it just to be used by God to receive a call and to go do some work and to feel good about yourself because you're common That's not it. We were created and put on the earth to be in relationship with God. He doesn't need you. What would He need you for? What are you going to do for God that He can't do for Himself? He wants you. So if you're not, if you are a follower of Jesus and you're not spending time with Him. a follower of Jesus and maybe this morning somehow the Holy Spirit showed up and what you heard for the very first time is that God the creator of the heavens and the earth has just whispered into your ear. You're hearing his voice, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be, every head's bowed, and every eye's closed. Maybe you would pray a prayer or something like this. Maybe you would say, maybe you would start with. So Lord, I just, I just want to tell you that I do believe. I believe you're exactly who you say you are. And Jesus, thank you for your willingness to go to the cross, and on the cross shed your blood to pay the penalty for my sin. Thank you for the kind of love that is deeper and richer and sweeter than I can possibly comprehend. And I know that you were raised day because I know you're alive because I can feel your presence right now. So I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin. To the best of my ability, I'm surrendering my life to you. And Jesus, from this day forward, I just want to get to know you. I want to figure out who you are through the pages of Scripture to figure out your nature and everything that Bible says about you but to enter into a personal relationship where I can hear you whisper Father uh, obviously I'm a very proud daddy you've used this wonderful child Lord to shape my life this today and even the name because of a passage of scripture that Holy Spirit used Emily to show me. spill out.